welcome back to the Manifesting Clarity Podcast. Hi friend, how in the heck are you today? I had a phenomenal conversation with a dear sister of mine, Julie Solomon, and I'm so excited to tell you a few of my favorite nuggets from this episode. If you've listened to it already, I highly encourage you to listen again. And if this is the first time you have heard the name Julie Solomon, you're in for a super special treat. She wrote a book called Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable as a speaker, as a business coach, as an amazing, incredible spouse, mom, such, such, such a bright light in this world. So one of the things that I loved about this conversation is when Julie dives in to taking radical accountability for ourselves and for our actions. What I am up to in this lifetime is learning how to take radical accountability for myself and my actions. Not always is this fun. Not always does this feel good. And It's ideal when we learn how to do that for ourselves. We get to create a life that we love, a life that we know how to navigate, build confidence, build trust within ourselves. So how do we shift from hiding from ourselves, from hiding from our shadows, the things that we don't love about ourselves, the actions or activities that we've done that we are not proud of? And really begin to look those situations straight on, straight in the eye, and build our own inner self-trust. This is how we make a radical change in our lives. So you're in for a super special treat today. And um, this is really talking about the power of learning from our own mistakes, the courage to face them, and then the energy shift that happens and changes when we do do that. It's building a muscle. It's building a new neural pathway in our brain so that we can challenge ourselves in moments of adversity, in moments of oh my goodness, I just had a massive shadow attack. I'm not clear on how to navigate this new step and I get to do it. So the more we practice, the more we have the opportunity to do that. And how she speaks as well during this conversation about once we start owning our technically quote unquote bad stuff, which I really don't love the word bad, our shadows, our ineffective patterns, the learned traits and behaviors and or survival skills that we have created for ourselves for some reason along the way, when we really look at that, but we also build a list of our strengths. So, so often it's easy and, or we get in a feedback loop of focusing on what's not working and how do we get to look at what is working? So when we look at What is your wisdom? What is your expertise? What is your experience? And you begin to harness that. That is where we get to meet ourselves today and say, what do I get to do today to move the needle forward in my life, to choose and accept myself for right where I am, not make it wrong and begin to build the muscle and harness 
your wisdom, your experience, and your expertise. You're in for a super special treat. Thanks for joining us today. Huge hugs to all of you. We're cheering for you. Stoked to hear what you have to say about this episode. Today, I am thrilled to bring you a bright, bright, bright light in this world, a phenomenal entrepreneur, beautiful sister and woman in this journey of entrepreneurship, and her name is Julie Solomon. I am so grateful to have you, Julie. You've written books. You are a personal brand coach, which I absolutely love how you have dialed um, all of your languaging for who you are, what you do, what you're up to, your authenticity that pours through, how you're courageous enough to tell your real story of uncomfortable moments in your your personal life, your marriage, your family, all of it. So I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. And I just thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so fun. So I'm Julie Solomon. I am a a business coach for female um, service providers and coaches, particularly in the online space. I do have some women who their business may be a brick and mortar, but they use the online space as a way to market and scale. And um, I really, my sweet spot is really working with women who, you know, they're not complete newbies. They, They have an offer, they have a buyer. But it's that scaling piece that they're really trying to hone in on. And, you know, some have dreams of hitting their first six figures, some are, have surpassed that, and they're trying to hit their first seven figures, all the mind drama and stuff that happens in between. So that is who I serve. I do that through a multitude of different ways. I, I have a podcast called The Influencer Podcast, which I've had since 2017. And that's a great resource for people to start diving into my work. I also have my book that you mentioned, Get What You Want. Um, that came out last year, um, how to go from unseen to unstoppable. And then of course I have, you know, things that are behind more of a, of a coaching paying wall. I have a mastermind and I have, um, online programs and I'll do retreats throughout the year and, and things like that. So that's really what I do and how I, I show up in terms of a business standpoint, but it wasn't always shiny and, and glossy. My story really, I have a background in PR and marketing. That's what I went to college for. I was a publicist in corporate and agency America for a long time before I got into the online coaching space. But really my my story of kind of the the shocking my system and my transformation, if you will, happened back in 2015 when I had moved to LA and I was still doing PR at the time, but I had a 20-month-old at home and I was trying to kind of find my fitting in this space of being a new mom and being um, a stay-at-home working mom and you know how do I do all of this? And so there were moments that I just felt very isolated. I felt very alone. I didn't really know my place. And so a way to kind of fill that void is that I would go shopping and I would start buying little things here and there and would justify my shopping by saying, I'm just buying little things here and there. It's not like I'm you know, buying a car. But over time, of course, those little things add up. And I was actually keeping this credit card that I had from my husband. And about two years in, he called me out of the blue and he said, when were you going to tell me about the credit card? And I was like, oh, okay. And the little shopping had ended up becoming a big, a big racking heap of $30,000 of credit card debt. And so now I was sitting here frantically sitting at the kitchen table being like, how do I fix this? 
and really hit a, you know, just a, a big rock bottom of knowing that I had to really start coming to terms with why I was so afraid to be honest in my life mm-hmm. and really start coming to terms with my fears around money, my fears around my self-concept around money, which I would love for us to, to chat about today, my fears around my ability to be worthy of what I wanted, a lot of that. And um, I believe that inner work and success truly are intertwined. You can't have one without the other and be fulfilled. And so I had to start down a new path of deep inner work and discovery, working with a multitude of different life coaches and therapists and business coaches and whatever I could really sink my my heart into to really get to the root of what my issues were. And of course, about six months in, I found out that my problem was far less financial than it was emotional. And a lot of it for me dealt with the loneliness, the 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 worthiness piece, the lack of believing in what's possible. I also had a lot of really messed up mindsets around money, thinking that like that's a man's world. And then if I made money, it wasn't really valuable or it didn't mean something. It was like, oh, Julie has this cute hobby called a job and she just kind of makes money without really claiming it as my own and as this own way for me to have financial independence and for me to really adult up and to take care of myself and to not always just brush it off as like my husband's the breadwinner. So he's really the one that, you know, manages the money and makes the decisions. And I need to ask permission to invest in myself or to do these things. And that's really why I hid the shopping because I thought I had to ask permission to spend money. And so I was like, well, I don't want to ask the permission. So I'll just go spend it. And once I really started to unlock that, um, I was able to just have some really big breakthroughs with my business that then led me to quitting PR because I wasn't fulfilled there and going all in on the coaching business that I have now. And so that was kind of really my, my precipice moment that took about, you know, two years to really kind of navigate through. And I'm so glad that I did because that, that set me off on a journey to not only make great money, pay back the debt, which was a beautiful thing to be able to to do the one thing that I thought that I would never be able to do, pay off the debt, the $30,000 in debt. And then not only that, but then go on to make, you know, multiple seven figures in my business. And so for someone who was so financially messed up, you know, with, with my, my money mindset being so crazy to then go on and be able to see success was huge. And so there's a lot to be shared and learned throughout that journey. Gosh, it's so true. So, so, so true. Oh my gosh. There's so many nuggets. So we'll, um, go, go back at some point and talk about self-concept of money. And I love your words with that and how you state it. And I feel like so many people are having money out here and it's the money that's doing something. So I'm so, I was having a phenomenal conversation with a girlfriend of mine who's a financial advisor yesterday. Just the, the emotional behavioral piece is big. It's, it's so big. Um, And curious of what we do and how we do it as well as so many other patterns and habits we have in our life and how we show up. One thing that you mentioned that I'm super curious about for my own personal journey, as well as I would have to say, this is a complete assumption, total blanket statement, but money is one of those things in marriage that can cause so many 
challenges and people aren't necessarily clean and clear about it. I love how you used the word trusting and being honest. Like so many of us are are hiding something for some reason. Some of the best breakthroughs I've ever had is like what and who are you still lying about or to and what what's the reasoning behind that? And it just really like gets surges going in my body of, okay, that's something to take a look at. Like what, what am I holding back and and where's that coming from? And your your thought pattern that you were having that you had to ask for permission for money. And were you working at that moment in time or were you not working in your relationship? How How was that? coming through for you? And then what did you do to resolve that? Yeah. So I was working at the time and I will say at the, at that time I was probably making about $50,000 a year. I lived in Los Angeles, um, which is an expense in and of itself. And then, um, it was kind of my, the, the roles that we played back then with my husband, it was kind of like, okay, he's going to cover all the, the major bills, right? The mortgage, the da da da. I handled the groceries. I handled the nanny, you know, and then I also had student loan debt that I was also paying off and I wasn't great with money and I wasn't great with budgeting. So that 50,000 a year before taxes in Los Angeles would go pretty fast, especially when you're not good at managing money and you have these other things that you've committed to taking care of. And so there was just a lot of shame there. You know, if like the month would be ending and I wouldn't have enough money in my own bank account to cover the groceries. And I would have to go and tell my husband, like, Hey, can you cover the groceries? And he would be like, I don't understand. Like I'm covering everything else. Like all you have to do is cover the groceries. And so in his mind, he kind of saw it as like, you're taking advantage of like this agreement that we have. And there were still some things kind of, you know, just even in our own relationship that we had to get, you know, to the root of, because now we're, we're 10 years in and I couldn't even imagine us having a conversation. Like, you know, we, we saw our money as being so separate. Right. And, you know, to each their own. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends who have separate bank accounts and that's just how it is. And then I have, you know, friends that are couples that, that merge everything together. But I think that, you know, in the beginning of us having a child, that was his way of trying to hold me accountable and responsible for something because he was covering the vast majority of all of our living expenses. And so there would just be a lot of shame around like me just having to admit like, hey, I don't know how to budget my money properly and I don't even have enough to cover my bills and like I need help, but I didn't know how to say that. And so that's where the shopping and the denial and the justification and the deflection and all that came in. So clearly going through therapy and working with life coaches and and doing the work and digging into those pieces, what were a couple of the things that you noticed along the way that helped you begin to shift that? Yeah. So a big thing that I noticed that I had been falling into what I now call compare and despair, which is comparing yourself to other people. And then when you don't live up to that, it's like, no matter what you do, you're never enough. Then you go into the despair and then you go into the desperation and then you go into the hysteria to try to like fix that quote unquote problem. And so that was a big one for me is just kind of seeing like, why do I feel the need to buy things in order to feel better? You know, what am I comparing myself to? Or, you know, what am I making up and telling myself is not enough? And also getting really clear about becoming just an adult and putting my big girl pants on and start having some really honest conversations with my husband about like, look, 
you know, I know that you pay for the majority of the things today, but you also make the majority of the money today. And so this is the money that I have. This is just the reality of the expenses. Our groceries cost this much a month. The childcare costs this much a month. My student loans cost this much a month. And I'm literally left with this. And so I think that when he saw the, like the numbers, he was like, oh, well, like, of course you can't do this. Like, why didn't you just tell me you couldn't do this? You literally don't have enough money to do this. And I'm like, well, I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I didn't know how to say that. And so it was just, it sounds very elementary and basic, but to me, it was like, I was basically like this adult child that was trying to just kind of live in this world. And it wasn't until I really started taking radical accountability for myself and for my actions. And I stopped attaching my self-worth to the money I was making or not making, or just the reality of my situation in that moment. I had to, I had to really get to this acceptance piece of like, just for today, this is how much I'm bringing to the table. There's other ways that I add value to our family clearly. And we just, we need to kind of readjust how this is happening and come together as a team to like really put a plan in place instead of it just being like, hey, can you cover this? And me saying yes, without actually taking into account, can I actually cover this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love to, like, when we actually look at the numbers, for some reason, there's so much discomfort for, for some of us in the world of like pausing, taking a look at a P&L, pausing, taking a look at what our monthly expenses are. And it paints a really clear picture, right? Like you can see and adjust and move levers really easily when you actually know what's going on instead of the story and the swirl that we're making in our mind, which I feel like we do with other thoughts, habits, and patterns as well. And not taking that radical accountability for ourselves, not leaning in and looking at the whole, the whole book, the whole story and getting to see that. So, so awesome. Right. And then the other piece that you were sharing too earlier, which is um, the, the process of how I don't have it right in front of me, but um, just how intertwined our personal lives are with our business and there we can't separate them. Right. So not a surprise that one would be showing up and what a beautiful thing to learn at that point as you're building and and stepping into this coaching business. So how did you, how did you make that shift? And I will say like, just because you say you want to be radically accountable for your actions doesn't mean you'll do it. Like it it truly is a, it's a habit that you have to cultivate and you have to want to cultivate it. You have to be so for me anyway, like I had, I was so done with living that way. Like I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I was so done And like, that was greater than any excuse that I had left to not shock the system. So for me like that, and that's why it's like with a lot of women that I'll talk to, and I've now I've coached thousands of women and met thousands of women and all of this. And I have so much grace and like compassion because I've been there, but I also know, like, I don't even go, I don't even try to go and like fix Like that was the other thing for me. It was like fixing. I had to fix myself and my husband and people. And it's, you know, a woman's going to know when she's sick and tired of her own BS. Like I don't have to push her to that. And so it's like, that's like, I'm not in the business of convincing people to work with me. I'm not in the business of any of that. I'm like, you'll either get to a day when you're so sick and tired of being sick and tired, or you just won't. 
And so it's like, that's just the nature of how your life path is going to be. And then if, and when that day comes, you're going to know that you have to make a change. There's going to be no other choice. And so I just, I trust that so implicitly because I've lived it myself and, um, and I, and I trust that people will come to that if they're supposed to come to that. I also do believe there are people that go through their entire lives, just not ever getting to that place. And they just stay in the perpetual cycle of their own stuff. And it doesn't make sense. I don't know why, but it's, it's, I don't have to figure that out. You know, my only job is to just learn from my own mistakes and keep evolving and growing. And then the women who want to come on board with that can, and that's kind of really what, how I started to tap into my coaching. And I also knew that once I started to own all of my bad stuff, I I also got to start owning all of my strengths. And so I would see the weaknesses, but then I would also see the other sides of that. Like we can have all these things that we don't like about ourselves, but then we have all these amazing strengths and strengths. And so some of my strengths were the fact that I actually did have a longstanding, incredible background as a publicist and as someone in marketing. I had a college degree. You know, I had spent a couple of years in New York working in PR. I had spent time in Nashville. I had worked with some of the greatest best-selling authors and thought leaders of our time. I had a lot to share. I had a lot of wisdom and expertise and experience, at least a decade by that point. And so I knew that if I could harness that and hone and hone in on that, that and just accept myself for what I had in that moment. Like I remember thinking back when I was making the pivot of like, I don't need to be more than anything that I am right now. Like just with what I have today, what is available to me? What is possible? Can I coach someone? Can I mentor someone? Can I consult someone? If I want to get out of my nine to five and start this solopreneur journey. Like what do I have available to me to start making an offer to someone? And that's where I began. And I just, I really leaned on my background in PR and marketing to do that. And so at the time it was supporting other women online um, and teaching them how to effectively pitch themselves and, you know, be able to scale their businesses and their services. And so that, that was kind of the first piece. I didn't have to have it all figured out you know, usually the first thing that you're going to dive into is not going to be the last thing, you know, it doesn't have to be the end all be all, but I gave myself permission to just get started. As you share that while I was listening to get what you want, just your ability and your courage to reach out to people and have conversations and dialogue. And um, another thing that I heard you mention probably in the book and all over, um, as well as getting to meet you in person was if you're not generating the revenue that you want, then look at the number of offers that you're putting out and how many people are you reaching out to? How many people are you contacting in a day? I feel like so many of the women that I've worked with are thinking that the platform's going to do it for them or this funnel is going to do it for them or something. And there's crickets, right? Like you could put all the energy into a back end of anything. But if we're not bringing people there, nobody knows about it, then how in the heck are you supposed to sell something? Right. And that's always the thing that I laugh, you know, that people are like, you know, I'm not making any money. It's like, well, how many sales did you go out and try to make this month? Well, none. It's like, (laughs) well, then how do you expect to make money? You're not making any offers. You're not offering your services to anybody. And here's the thing. Like we all start at zero, 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 right? We have zero offers, which means we're getting 
zero no's from people, which also means we're getting zero yeses from people. Like that's where everybody starts. But in order to have a business and most importantly, in order to grow a business, you have to start changing those numbers. You have to start making some offers. You have to start getting some yeses or no's. So then you can get more yeses. And that's really kind of the equation to business that I love to to share and teach. It's the number of offers that you make minus the no's that you get equals the number of yeses that you get. And that equals the money. And so a simple way you can look at it is, you know, let's say you want to make $10,000 this month and you have an offer that costs $1,000. Well, then obviously that means you have to get 10 people to say yes to your $1,000 offer in order to make $10,000. What most people will do is like, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to ask 10 people if they want this. And then all those 10 people are going to say yes. And then I'm going to have my $10,000. Okay. Well, that's only if all 10 people say yes, which is highly unlikely because I've never heard of anyone having you know a 100% conversion rate. So that's the other thing that people tend to downplay the number of asks that they have to do. Like if you want to get 10 yeses, I always said to myself ever since the beginning, for every yes that I get, I need to I need to expect to get 10 no's. So if I want to get 10 yeses, I have to make 100 offers. And so it really, it expands that out for you to kind of really see like, oh, if I want to make $10,000 this month and my offer is $1,000 and I want, I need 10 yeses, that means over the next 30 days, I need to, I need to make 100 offers to the ideal buyers for this offer. And it sounds like a lot, but if you, a hundred offers divided by 30 days, it's like three offers a day or something. It's, it's actually quite manageable, but it's like, we don't, we don't just do the simple math. You know, we just kind of throw this number out there. And then, like you said, we just wait for like, you know, the funnel fairy to fall down from the sky and bestow to us all of these, these new leads and these new people that want what what we're offering. And so that's a big one for me is that you have to be willing to make an offer. You have to be willing to hear no. You have to really start managing your mind when it comes to rejection. They're not saying no to you in terms of your your existence on this planet. (laughs) They're just saying no to your offer. And the beautiful thing about the no is that we get to learn from our no's. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone says no to your offer, you can say, totally understand, may I ask why? And if someone says, well, it's too expensive, Most of the time it's not. Most of the time you're just offering it to the wrong person. You're trying to offer your thing to someone who has no money or they have no desire in investing, then you're not offering it to the right person. But if they say something like, well, you know, you're offering me this line of skincare products and what you have is great, but I'm really looking for a product that has retinol in it. And because you don't have one of those, I'm not going to invest it today. That's really good feedback for you to know. Because what if 5, 10, 15 people tell you that, then you can go back to the drawing board and say, hey, do I want to start adding something with retinol in my product suite? Do I want to refine the offer? And so that's why the no's are so great. And that's why you you have to get comfortable with hearing no. You have to get curious about learning from your no's. We have to stop taking it so dang personal. Like it's it's not you. It's It's the way that you're offering it in this moment. And it's always one of three things that I say to people. You either have the wrong offer or you're offering it to the wrong person, or you just you just don't have the marketing and the messaging dialed in. You're not articulating the value of what it is that you're offering enough to get that person to say yes. But that's it. 
It's just, it's one of those three things where, and that's actually simple. Where we get tripped up is the mind drama of just like making it be this exhausting, massive, crazy, dramatic thing that it's really not about. And so the more that you can detach yourself from the offer, the, the faster that you'll actually get to your results and the faster that you will scale. Yeah. And don't you feel like it's very similar to the work that you did for your emotional, mental, spiritual body of, of just money and conversations with your spouse and all of that drama, right. Is happening over there. We're creating it and we're doing the same thing in interactions with clients, whether we're doing them one-on-one or putting offers out into the world for e-com or whatever that might be. But Oh, and that's kind of where that self-concept comes in of, um, you know, there was a study done a long time ago where, um, in the study they, they proved that a person can never earn 10% more or 10% less than what their self-concept level of income is. And so basically we either have a poor self-concept or a strong self-concept and you could have it about anything, your worth, your belief systems, your possibilities. We'll talk about money in this specific instance, but basically if you, the study showed that if someone earned 10% more than their concept level of income, they would actually have this irresistible urge to get rid of it and to like overspend, which was my problem. Like my, my self-concept wasn't matching the money that was coming in. So I would spend it faster than I could make it. Or if you start to earn 10% below your concept level of income, what happens is that people start to engage in scrambling behaviors, right? Like work harder, work smarter, work faster. I've got to figure this out. I got to figure out a way to make money until they hit that comfort zone again. And then once you hit that comfort zone of whatever your self-concept is, then you just kind of like chill there. And so the only way to increase your income is to expand your comfort zone with regard to what you earn. And I've really learned this after coaching so many women, like there is zero difference in expertise, talent, experience between someone who has settled at, I make a hundred thousand a year versus someone who has settled at, I make 500,000 a year. The only difference is that one has settled at a hundred thousand a year and one refuses to settle at anything less than 500,000 a year. That's it. It's just the self-concept. And so really the kind of moral of this, I think, is that you can never earn more on the outside than you do on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to increase your, your income, you must achieve that financial goal in your mind, in your belief system first, in order to be able to achieve it in reality. So you have to increase that self-concept of your money bit by bit as you want to grow. What's the difference between a heart-centered female entrepreneur and maybe more of like ego-driven, just focused on numbers and not really like the whole whole picture, whole self? Or how can you help support and what do you do for the women that you work with um, when there's, we see the whole picture, right? We're not as single focused, I feel like. Right. Well, I think there's kind of two ways to looking at this. So you've got fear-based and abundance-based. And then you also have like masculine and feminine energy. 
So I'll start with the masculine and feminine energy. You need both. Like we need the feminine in order to flow, to feel through, to follow our instinct, to follow our gut, to listen to our inner internal wisdom. But we also need that masculine for the clarity, the structure, the discipline, the boundaries, the strategy, because you need both. Like, you know, you can't, unfortunately, we can't just woo ourselves to a million dollars. If we could, we would all be millionaires, you know, but we also can't just hustle either, you know? So it's like, yes, you got to be in the vibes, but you also have to have a practical strategy to follow and you have to be able to have a process that you can grow and scale. And so that's kind of the first piece that we, we've got to make sure that we, that we're balanced. I, you know, I think several years ago, we kind of, the pendulum was kind of more on the masculine side. You know, it was all about like hustle harder, grow faster, bro marketing. And then I think we were all so like grossed out by all of that, that then the pendulum swung completely to the other side. And it was all about being in the vibes and just like manifesting and calling in the energy of what you desire. Both are important and we need to find a healthy balance for both. And so I really try to come at it from both sides of, you know, honoring your instincts, honoring your gut. You know what's best for you at the end of the day. Trust yourself, trust the process, and let's actually get a process in place (laughs) at the same time. And let's make those offers and let's create the structure. So that's the one side to it. I think the other side to it, that ego piece where it doesn't serve us, like the ego can serve us well by the clarity, the structure, the boundaries, the discipline, the assertiveness. Where it doesn't serve us is when the fear comes to play. And that's when we fall into, fall back into that all or nothing thinking, that superiority to inferiority thinking. I need it all this way or it's not going to work. Nothing ever works for me. I'm so unique and special and my business is so unique and special that no one's going to possibly understand it. And it's going to take this kind of unique and special person to possibly. And so the payoff to that is that we don't ever really have to take action We can just kind of stay in this like ideation overthinking phase because we're scared to take action and then put ourselves out there. We're scared to make a mistake. We're scared to be seen. We're scared to be judged. We're, we're scared. And so the more that I think that we can be aware of that, of, you know, it's not your highest self that is keeping you small. It's not your highest self that's telling you, you need to think about it. It's not your highest self. That's telling you that you need to ask your husband's permission to invest. It's not your highest self that is giving that to you. That is your fear. It's also your Achilles heel. And so for me, that was really the shift that I had to have is that I had to give myself the permission to be open, to be curious, to, to ask myself, like, how could this work for me? I I remember the first time I ever invested in a mastermind myself, it was $25,000. It was more money than I had ever invested. It was at the time that I had just paid off the debt, you know, and I had this opportunity to do this mastermind. And I was like, this does not logically make sense. I'm not going to be able to tell my husband, like we just went through this whole thing. And then, and then I'm going to come with him with this like $25,000 thing I want to do. Like, am I insane? But I had to tap tap into, there was just something about this opportunity. And there was just something about, you know, her name was Melissa that I invested in back in 2017. And she knew how to automate courses. And that's what I was doing at the time. And it's it's kind of, you know, I'm a firm believer in like, if you want to grow, you have to go and work with someone who has successfully done what it is that you are trying to do. Scrolling through their Instagram, 
is not going to make you money listening to their podcast. It might, it might make you some money, but not really. You really have to go work with them. I believe you have to like get under the hood and get into their world, get behind their paywall. And it wasn't until I started to do that, that I really started to make money. And so with Melissa, I just knew. And even though I was scared, I had two options. I could go back to the all or nothing thinking and like talk myself out of it and go ask my husband's quote unquote permission to do this. Or I remember saying to myself, if I could just learn one thing from this mastermind, like I know that I will take that one thing and I will do everything that I possibly can to recoup my money. Like if I can just do, if I just learn one thing and make the $25,000 back, even if I break even, it's a win because it's going to get me to a next level. And so I did the payment plan. I invested. And within nine months, I not only made $25,000 back, but I had made $1.3 million off of this automation that I had created. And so at that point, everything around what I believed about money started to just like change. But it wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have allowed myself to be stretched and be kind of nauseously scared <laughs> to go there and to, to remain open and to remain curious and to allow myself to be in that space. And so I think that that's the thing for people. And then when I went to my husband, I just said, I didn't go and ask for his permission. I told him with graciousness and love from a heart-centered place, going back to what you were saying of coming from that heart-centered place of like, this is my life. Like, this is my life. This is, this is, this is my purpose. This is my vision. This is my greater calling. This is what God is calling me to do. And this is, this is just one of the many stepping stones to get there. And so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the payment plan. If crap hits the fan and I need your help, I will let you know. But just for today, I'm just asking if you can to just support my decision. You may not understand it. I don't even understand it. It doesn't make logical sense, but I'm not trying to like figure that out. I just have to trust myself. And like, can you come on board to trust me? And I think that even coming at that opportunity in that way, instead of being like, hey, hun, so there's like this thing that I want to do. And like, is it okay? Like, do you think that like, do I like, are you okay? If, oh yeah, yeah, it was a stupid idea. Maybe I shouldn't do it anyway. It's like, no one's going to get behind that. But if the people that you really love, if they see your heart and they know that you really want to do something, most of the time they can support you. It may not be exactly how you envisioned it, but most of the time they can. And so I think that the more that you can come from that heart and can come from that place of why, like, why are you doing this? Why is this so important? You know, why now? Why this instead of something else? And and really coming from, from your own understanding of it, that will help every single time. So I hope that answers your question. So beautiful. Oh my gosh. Um, I will replay that over and over and over and over again. It's just, it's, it's so clean and clear and fear and ego and money and self-doubt play such big parts. And when you listen to Julie share these pieces, you can hear that like resistance and pulling back, right? And you can hear that total lean in, believe in yourself, alignment, knowing. And that I also think is one of the biggest pieces. So I chose to invest in some masterminds and, and programs along the way before I really was clear on what exactly I wanted to do. I knew I was being called forth and I knew I had the capability and capacity and there's this inner yes that's coming through. 
And what I love about what you just said is focusing on one thing, because I think we end up often writing the story of how it should look or this big, beautiful thing that's going to come from it instead of really bite-sized chunks, which is what I love about how you work and how you operate and really support women. And it's that entire thing too, like putting pressure on someone in a loving, kind way, when you know they have that capability and they're right there. Yes, that's one thing. But when we're tired, when we're fed up with our own energy, then, and that alignment of purpose and passion and that internal knowing that isn't going away, you have the ability to say exactly what you're going to do and why you're going to do it. And with that sole purpose, it's there's not a question inside. And that also lines up, I think, for selling, right? Because you can detach from people. You know that what you're offering is so good and has so much potential and power in the world for you and what you're called to do, as well as for those that you're getting to pour into. And you get to detach completely of like, okay, that's they're living in their story and wherever they are. And those are not the aligned people that we want to be working with either. Exactly. And I I believe you get what you give. And that's why it's like, whether I'm investing in something, it was like when I invested in my first mastermind, I knew going into it, this is not Melissa's responsibility for me to have any kind of result. Like this is me. Like she's going to give me the processes. She's going to hold the space. She's going to push me. She's going to introduce me to people that I would have never met without her. You know, she's going to cultivate the environment of what she's promising, but it is my job and my job only to suit up and show up and actually make this happen. Like period, end of story. Like it is 100% on me. And so I think that you have to first be clear on that, that, you know, this is not about like, I'm just going to go give money to somebody and then they're going to wave a wand and my life is going to be changed. Like you have to show up (laughs) to the party. And it's the same thing when, when I'm selling. When I'm selling or, you know, offering something to someone, I make sure that I articulate the value, the the transformation that I'm promising, the benefits, the features. I make sure to be really clear and cut on on any kind of resistance or ob- objections that they may have. Like if, if they need to kind of be fine-tuned a little bit, if, if their self-esteem is low and they don't think that they can do it. But then after that, it's like, what happens after that has nothing to do with me. Like if they choose to invest, like what happens if they're in the container? Like I just, I have to stay in my lane. And as long as I know that I'm doing my part and my side of the street is clean, like that, that is where I begin and end. And so it's like having those boundaries for yourself as the buyer, but also as the seller is huge. Absolutely. It's, it's so beautiful. And what you're describing and explaining, I saw earlier took you from about $7,000 a month to 125,000, if not more. And I also love that you put cash in how you articulate that because it's so, I mean, there's so many people that are really truly like, Oh, zero to a hundred K. And that's fantastic. But they're not talking about profit. They're not talking about what we're actually putting in the bank. And I'll never forget like the first time I made the hundred thousand thinking, Oh, this is going to be fantastic. Right. And a million and 2 million, whatever. And then you're like, Oh, well, what's, what's left over. Yes. Yeah. If it costs you 70 grand to make that hundred grand, was yeah. it, you know, are, are you, are we, we working to... harder, smarter, right? Exactly. Maybe we need to refine some things. Totally. Yeah. And to be able to have those conversations and have mentors who are in the mix is is absolutely one of my favorite parts of what you offer, how you offer, how you started with your um, 
pitching course and all the courses that you have. One thing that I want to share, which I think was really valuable that I read, um, is that your strategy didn't change. Your belief did, your vision did, your support did, your mentors did, and the level of the investment that you were putting in for yourself and for, I can imagine, for your business too, right? So can you share from that um, what the courses are that you offer? Because you have an amazing package that is kind of, is it a monthly membership that you offer? And then you have your um, mastermind too? Yeah, I do. So I love to kind of start with my podcast because the podcast is an offer. It's just a free one, right? So for those out there that maybe they're in the ideation phase, maybe they're in the inspiration phase, or maybe they're just like, I don't really know who this chick is. So like, I need to go and kind of like get my feet wet and see if I jive with her. The podcast is a great first place to start because that is where you're really going to get just a a really holistic approach of of my ecosystem. You're going to learn my coaching style. You're going to learn how I articulate things. You're going to learn about what I talk about, what I dive deep into. There's a lot of solo episodes. You're also going to learn kind of, you know, the people that I surround myself with by the, the guests that I have on, my network of people that I know and kind of how I how I do my thing. So that's always a great first place to start. The book is also another great place. It's also an audible. Um, the book, you're going to hear a lot more about my story and really how I built what I did. So you can get that on you know Amazon or wherever you love to buy books or audible. And then if you're someone who's ready to invest in yourself, you're ready to kind of like get your feet wet. I have something called The Vault. Um, which is actually new as of the end of last year. So I've spent the last eight years creating online courses. So at this point, I have like over 35, you know, from high level signature courses that, you know, if you bought them by themselves would be $5,000 to bonuses to, you know, mini trainings to just things that I've created over the years. I have a mountain of resources, curriculum and content. And so I decided instead of having all these different places to get it, I wanted to put it all in one place so people could access everything in just kind of one one place. They didn't have to go buy a multitude of different things. And it's great for the person who's like, I don't want to have to choose. I just want it available to me and it's there. And so that's called The Vault. And in there, you'll find all of my programs really on how, how to build and scale not only a business online but really how to scale your visibility and authority to become the thought leader that you know that you are in your field. So one side of what I of what I coach and teach on is how to scale your business, but another big piece of it is that authority piece. So if you're someone who you have a best-selling book on your heart or you want to be paid to, to speak on stages or you want to be able to scale a podcast, you really want to learn those components that are necessary to grow your visibility and to become more of an authority, there's going to be a lot of stuff in there too. And I think like right now we, we add things over the year or throughout the year. So the, the price kind of goes up as we add more value because we'll be adding new things in there. But I think right now it's like 300 or 400 bucks a month, or you can do one payment. So super affordable for the person who's ready to kind of do that. And then um, after that, it's, it's more about that high proximity to me. So that's where like a mastermind comes in or a retreat or a high level coaching container. And I always say, you know, for a mastermind, of course, you're going to naturally learn things and strategies and like those conversations happen in those rooms. But you want to invest in a ma- in a mastermind, I believe, when you really want to start to learn how someone thinks. And it kind of goes back to that story that I was sharing about Melissa. I was like, 
she has built the kind of business that I want to build. I don't want her just to teach me something. Like I can get her course for that. Like I want to be under the hood with her. I want to learn how she thinks. How does she handle the triage moments? How does she handle when, you know, crap hits the fan? How is she scaling this out? What is she thinking about? What is she focusing on? What is she not focusing on? Like I really wanted to learn how to work smarter in a higher level way. And so if that is you, or if you're you're wanting higher proximity, if you're wanting more of that one-to-one or kind of intimate coaching container, that's when I think a mastermind, you know, comes into play and it's, it's a phenomenal resource. And, and so I have masterminds for that. And then I'll do retreats throughout the year. So that's really kind of the, the flow of, of ways that people can start diving into my world. That's so good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Make sure to listen to your podcast, go get this book. We'll have all the links in the show notes for all of you. And I look forward to hearing your feedback and takeaways and what came up for you. Thank you so much, Julie. I really, really, really appreciate you being here and all of your time today. Yeah, thank you. Um, You guys can find me on Instagram at Jules Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N, and then my website, juliesolomon.net. Beautiful. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. We will see you back here next week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Manifesting Clarity. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others to find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.